Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, JC Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-host, also known as the godfather of lending, Mr. Paul Peebles, national underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Polly, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, JC, and, and very excited to have another great, worthwhile and educational program uh, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today, JC. Well, well, absolutely, Polly. You know, this is a great one for all you viewers out there. You definitely want to tune in. Today, we are going to talk about how to 1031 exchange, even when your partners want to cash out. And you know, Polly, this is important to me personally, because I've been in a few situations where we've bought some apartment complexes together with some partners in an LLC. And a couple of the partners have, for whatever reason, wanted to cash out and not wanted to continue on and do a 1031 exchange, which has huge benefits. Um, and so learning these, these tips and techniques to be able to still exchange without your partners having to go with you, that's super critical to really building up a, a really good tax-deferred strategy. And so I'm excited today for, for what we're going to talk about and, and the guests that we have on today for that single reason alone, how you can 1031 exchange when your partners still want to cash out. So, Polly, why don't I let you introduce today's guest? So I've known Craig Brown for a number of years, and he has been an instrumental success for a lot of investors throughout the nation. So Craig works and runs a company called IPX 1031. IPX 1031 is a division of a large title company. And so he is on the cutting edge about what's going on with, uh, with uh, tax deferral, with exchanges. And so uh, he's a smart guy. We had him featured at the Old Capital Multifamily Conference this year. He spoke in front of about 600, 700, 650, 700 people and talked a little bit about how folks can ex uh, use the 1031 exchange to really can kind of build your net worth, build your, your wealth and uh, go to the next level. So Craig uh, is a graduate of the great uh, Baylor University, did his undergrad and graduate, um, uh, his law degree from Baylor. Uh, and so he is an attorney and he's gonna help you set your exchange up correctly. And so uh, Baylor University, that's uh, home of the, the Baylor Bears. And, and I guess they're having a pretty good football team, good football season this year. So uh, go, go Bears, I say. Sick of Bears. Sick of Bears. <laughs> All right, I'm going to kick it back over to you, JC. Let's, let's kind of get going with questions with, well, uh, to Craig. <clears throat> absolutely, Craig. You know, uh, first of all, Craig, why don't you tell us, what is a 1031 exchange? So a 1031 exchange allows for a taxpayer to sell an asset if they're going to buy another asset. Now, it's often called the like-kind exchange. We'll talk about that a little bit. But it's just a mechanism to allow a taxpayer to sell, followed by a delay period of time and a purchase. And so they don't have to recognize the capital gain that they normally would have to, to pay taxes on uh, when they sell a property. Yeah, I mean, that's a really big deal. So if you've, if you've got some major gains, you've, you've held a property for a few years and you want to sell it, Instead of having to pay Uncle Sam a bunch of money, you're telling me that you just exchange it and defer the gains and keep on going with the new property. Sure. Yeah. The basics is, you know, buy property for $100, you're going to now sell it for $150. Normally, you'd have to pay tax on that $50 of appreciation. And the 1031 allows you to go buy a $150 replacement property and not have to pay taxes on that $50. Well, that's great. So, 
So tell me, Craig, who can take advantage of a 1031 exchange? Actually, anybody that is a U.S. taxpayer. So uh, anyone that has to file a U.S. income tax return uh, can take advantage of a 1031 exchange. So literally anybody. And so what types of properties can be exchanged, Craig? Well, only real property. So we most commonly understand real property to be land and those things permanently attached to land. But there are some other things that are defined as a real property right. So we actually have people that are selling out of oil and gas royalty interest and purchasing into you know, multifamily properties or land for land, anything that's a real property right, as long as it's gonna be held for investment or productive use in a trade or business. And it's not held you know, as your primary residence or it's not held just to flip. Uh, so. So, you know, so I mean, you know, for all the listeners out there, that means that if somebody's got a single family home, let's say in the Bay Area, I live in the the Bay Area, um, and they've got a single family home that's uh, really not worth that much. So that means it's probably worth like two, three million bucks. That means that they can take that single family home if it's a rental and 1031 exchange it and go buy themselves, let's say an apartment property in Dallas, Fort Worth, correct? Absolutely. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, you know, let's, let's get right, right down to the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today, Craig, because I think there's probably a good number of people that understand a 1031 exchange and the value of it. But I think what's really interesting, what, what we want to talk today about is let's say that there is a, a client of yours out there that is in a partnership, let's say like an LLC or something. And they've got, you know, let's say they've got three, four or five partners and maybe one or two of those partners wants to, let's say, cash out and not do the 1031 exchange. But the other three, let's say, definitely see the advantage of doing a 1031 exchange. So how can somebody actually still successfully execute a 1031 exchange in that particular circumstance? Okay. So this is, a, this is an issue that comes up quite often and there's, there's several potential solutions and those solutions depend upon uh, how many how many partners there are, how many want out, whether or not other partners want to exchange. Uh, it depends on where you're at in the process. Are you already under contract to sell as the partnership? Uh, what's the goal for those that want to do a 1031? Uh, what's the goal for how much replacement property they need to buy? So in kind of setting up the scenario, uh, you know, it, it one of the basics of 1031 is you have to reinvest all the cash and offset the debt relief from the sell side. So in our little example we used earlier, you know, you, you sell for 150, you bought the property for 100. You know, if you have a, a $40 mortgage on the property, you've got 110 of equity uh, that you're going to have to roll forward to the replacement property. Okay, So we have to keep that in mind and we have to offset that 40 of debt relief. So when we look at those parameters and how we deal with that, when we have partners that want out, are we going to continue to have to buy that $150 property or might we be able to reduce it down slightly? Okay. And so let's, uh, let's go to a real simple, basic example of what we can do in this situation. Let's say that we're very early in the process, uh, maybe even before the property is being marketed. There's three partners in a partnership. It's an LLC elected to be taxed as a partnership. The property is going to sell for, let's say, $900, and, they, and there's a $300 basis. Okay, so a real basic example, no debt. Well, what we might do is 
A and B, let's say C wants out. So we've got a three partner partnership and A and B simply source $300 and pay C $300. So now the ABC LLC turns into the AB LLC. Okay, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly safe. Uh, but the result of that is the LLC will still sell the property for $900. And so that means that the LLC now still must purchase a replacement property for $900. In this example, we had no debt. So at closing, 900 of cash into the escrow, 900 of cash out to the qualified intermediary. And now the LLC needs to buy a property for 900 or greater using all of the, all of the cash. But that's perfectly safe. Uh, there's no tax risk. There's no business risk that's incremental. You know, you still have to find a replacement property within the allotted time frame. Uh, but that's a that's a perfectly safe solution to that to that issue. Gotcha. So <clears throat> so now you've successfully let C get out of the partnership, and A and B have continued on, and they're going to do a 1031 exactly uh, per the regulations. That that's correct. And as to C. C's tax liability for selling the partnership interest is exactly the same as if the ABC LLC had sold and, and C had his proper amount of gain that he had to recognize. So no difference in tax liability for C in that example. That makes sense. Okay. So we can, we can move on to, uh, to an, a, another scenario. That's really just cashing, you know, cashing C out with outside, outside money. We could move into a, a second scenario, and this is one that people have probably heard of before. Uh, it has a, a name given to it just called a drop and swap. And, and essentially what you're attempting to create, and why I say attempting, is that's, that's the big thing that you have to accomplish, is you need to do this technically correct so that you are accomplishing your goal. And when you take on this structure is critically important, probably even more so important in, in California than some other parts in the country, because in California, the Franchise Tax Board, which is kind of like the state level equivalent of the Internal Revenue Service, is, more, is pretty aggressive on this topic. They, they want to see, you know, if they find this, they, they could challenge it if it's not done properly and done far enough in advance. So we're going to assume that we're going to do things at the right time and do them technically correct so that we don't have any uh, footfalls just on, on um, you know, st structure of the transaction. And in that particular transaction, what we're trying to do is we're going to, we're actually going to deed out C's interest so that C, instead of becoming, uh, instead of being a partner, C becomes a tenant in common. So now in our little example, we've got a $900 property, equal owners, three equal owners. And so there's gonna be a one third undivided fractional interest deeded out of the LLC. So after that step, then you have two owners of the property. LLC owns a two thirds undivided fractional interest. C owns a one third undivided fractional interest. And the two are tenants in common. Okay. They want to do that perfectly. They want to take care of any uh, mortgages. They would like to get the lender's approval. 
Uh, they want to act as if they are tenants in common. They want to document everything as tenants in common. They want to enter into the purchase and sell agreement where each is selling their fractional interest. So our assumption for this discussion is that we're gonna do things technically correct uh, to mitigate the tax risk, okay? But the theory then is, is now you have two owners. One owns a $600 undivided fractional interest with a $200 basis, and C owns a $300 uh, fractional interest with a $100 basis. Now, each of those two fractional owners at the time of closing are selling their respective property, the fractional interest in the, in the one property. And so now what that means is, is that the LLC is selling a $600 property, so it need only acquire a $600 or greater replacement property for it to achieve a total deferral. So you go from having to buy a $900 property in our prior example, where we just buy C out with outside cash. Now we only have to buy a $600 replacement property for A and B to achieve a total deferral. Now you'll even take C sometimes will even go on to do their own exchange and they'll go buy something else for 300 themselves. I mean, that's so great. Now, why wouldn't someone always want to just do the tick structure instead of having to come up with the cash and buy out the other uh, partner? Sure. So the, the tenant and common structure can have uh, some difficulties to get to that place where you truly have tenancy in common as opposed to continuing to act as partners and be deemed to be partners. Just doing the paperwork in is, is not in and of itself enough. You actually need to truly act as tenants in common. And with blanket debt on the property, the debt needs to be allocated proportionately. Bills come in, uh, you know, everything needs to be split proportionately. Uh, and you can't do some of the things as tenants in common that you could do as a partnership, have back-end bumps, preferential treatments, those types of things. Yeah, and I would imagine that also if you've, let's say, if you, depending on the type of loan that you've got on the property, you probably are going to have some limitations with your lender. And by the way, all you folks out there, just a heads up, uh, anytime you're going to endeavor to do uh, one of these sorts of deals, you definitely want to check in with your lender way ahead of time and understand what the requirements are in the uh, the loan loan documents to make sure that you're you're uh, adhering uh, to what the lender is going to require you to do because, you know, most lenders are not going to be okay with you just willy nilly going and forming uh, a tenants in common, uh, assuming that you need, you don't check in with them. You know, you need to make sure that these sorts of things are, are approved ahead of time, but that could be a, a difficulty too, is if your lender doesn't allow a, a tick formation to, to make this exchange happen. That, that's absolutely correct. And you can, you can really, cause some problems for yourself if you don't get lender approval because sometimes loans that have non-recourse uh, status you can trip into triggering recourse when you do things that that violate the loan covenants so it, this is very technically precise and you need good tax counsel to walk you walk you through that when you, when you do the exchange I mean, that's, that's, that's great information. So, you know, Craig, what if uh, somebody wants to get a hold of you to talk a little bit more in detail about these sorts of things? How can they, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Sure. A couple of ways, uh, you know, probably the most efficient way is to shoot me an email and that's Craig, 
C-R-A-I-G dot brown, just like the color, at I-P as in Paul, X, 1031.com. So craig.brown at IPX 1031.com. Or my toll free number is 888-337-1031. That's 888-337-1031. And I'm extension seven. So some All right. great, infor- great information there, Craig. Is there anything that uh, on the backside of the conversation here, can you give me two or three things that can screw up a 1031 exchange and uh, you know, maybe off the top of your head, just give me two or three things that uh, people have done sure. that you've seen that uh, can cause a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And it fits right into our discussion is if a partnership sells and you simply pay the partner out of the proceeds from the sale. So you sell for 900 and you tell the title company or escrow company, send $600 to my qualified intermediary and $300 to the partnership, then the partnership has $300 of boot. It gets allocated equally amongst the three partners. And so that one partner gets $300 of cash, but only pays taxes on $100 because you can't, under under almost all circumstances, you cannot actually allocate that $300 of gain out to that exiting partner. So the A and B that want to do an exchange all of a sudden pay tax liability on money that C's walking away from the table. Uh, so that's that's a big one. Uh, and a, another another big one is you have to have the same taxpayer. Okay, now that's a key phrase: the same taxpayer buy the replacement property. So, uh, Paul, you know, uh, obviously, as 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 a lender, you like for uh, to make loans to fresh entities, right? Newly, newly mm-hmm. formed entities that have no history. And so we may have, uh, you know, LLC one sell and we have a requirement because LLC one is a partnership. It's a regarded taxpayer. It has to buy the replacement property, but you as the lender want a fresh entity to make the loan to. So LLC one is going to need to set up LLC two which will be wholly owned by LLC one LLC two will borrow the money, take legal title, but for federal income tax purposes, because LLC two is a disregarded entity. It's as if LLC one purchased the replacement property. So for federal income tax, you have satisfied the same taxpayer requirement, LLC one sold LLC one purchased, but you've also satisfied the lender requirement, of having a special purpose entity to make that to make that loan to, so so those are some things that need to be talked about with the lenders up front. Yeah, absolutely, and I will tell you, Craig is an expert when it comes to the exchanges, and and we're talking about you know not not a couple of dollars, we're talking about the savings of tens of millions of dollars that you have the capability of deferring down the road if you make some large purchases in multifamily or retail or office or things like that. I mean, the, the, the ability to defer your capital gain farther and further out is an opportunity to really grow your wealth. And so you really do need to understand some of the rules and you want to work with experts that uh, Craig is an attorney that specializes in this. You don't want to work with an attorney that only has 
uh, only has the is a is a contract attorney or is an estate planning attorney. Craig is a specialist. Work with specialists when it comes to your money, uh, having the ability to defer it to another transaction. So great information, Craig. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, JC, if somebody wanted to get more information about uh, what you do, can you tell us a little bit about what JC and the multifamily group does? Well, you know, Polly, we've been helping investors for the last 13 years make smart multifamily investment decisions. And uh, our company is a fully integrated uh, syndication company, which acquires, renovates, and operates multifamily property, large-scale deals. And one of the interesting things about us is that we've been doing it since before the recession. So we are a full cycle uh, real estate investment company, which is important because we've seen what can go wrong. Uh, just as much as what can go right. So one thing that I always offer out to any of our viewers out there is we offer a free 50-minute consultation. If you go to our website, multifamilypropertygroup.com, and you go to the contact us section, you can request a free 50-minute consultation, and we would be happy to sit down and talk with you for a short minute and figure out if there's anything that we can give you advice on and help you out in terms of your uh, ability to make smart multifamily investments. Ollie, what do you got cooking on your yeah, Great information, JC. Uh, nothing. I mean, we're, uh, we just did our conference uh, a couple weeks ago, and we're just coming off the glow of that. And then uh, don't forget uh, oldcapitallending.com or Old Capital Podcast if you want to get updated information about what's going on within the lending industry. I mean, we're trying to do, again, over a billion dollars throughout the nation in apartment lending, so we appreciate everybody's support on that one. And again, uh, 1031 is very important. If you're thinking about trying to accumulate wealth, you don't want to work with experts on that, setting the, the table correctly. Uh, you don't want to have a knock on your door from the IRS if you try to do it uh, the wrong way. And so Craig Brown at, uh, at, at his group, is they're, they're the best. So go, go call them and they'll, they'll get you going and give you the uh, straight skinny about what's going to be done. So uh, JC, thanks for putting the podcast together. Craig Brown, thanks for joining us. Again, I'm Paul Peebles. Have a great day.